Hey friends, thanks for joining us on the Equipping You podcast. Our prayer is that this podcast will encourage and equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead their churches well. For more information about the Christ-centered Acts 1-8 Alliance family, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Equipping You Podcast. This is Season 11, Episode Two. That's dose in Spanish. That is dose. Yes, right. Thank you. And uh, tutelage is appreciated. We're coming to you today from Columbus, Ohio, home of the. We're recording this in December. Major League Soccer Cup champions as of last weekend, the Columbus Crew. Wow, how about that? I didn't know that because I don't pay attention. Well, because of their championship run, I watched exponentially more soccer this year than ever. I watched at least 30 seconds of one game. <laughs> so uh, you went from zero to 30. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's exponentially that is more. It. Well, that's not really because you can't really have an exponential of zero, Terry. Oh, well, I wasn't a math major. No, you were not. No. I'm Terry, Church Ministries Leader for the Alliance. And I'm Alan, the Director of Development in the Eastern PA District of the Alliance. And uh, today we're going to talk to Jelani Pennick, who is a uh, worship pastor up at uh, Grace Church in Middleburg Heights, Ohio, in the Cleveland area, and uh, has led worship at council a number of times. and. I've just been blessed by his ministry, blessed by his uh, friendship, and looking forward to what he has to share with us today about worship. What do you think, Alan? Well, uh, I've never had a chance to meet Jelani before, but I've heard lots of good things from a few people that I know and love and trust, and, um, you know, know he's part of that Alliance Worship albums that are being produced, and so I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Yes, indeed. So... Grab yourselves a boiling, sparkling lemonade soda with pure cane sugar. Sit back, relax. Here we go. And we're pleased to welcome Jelani Pinnock to Equipping You Podcast today. Jelani, thanks for taking the time to join us. Hey, what's up, gentlemen? How are you doing? I'm, I'm excited to be here. I've heard so much about the podcast and really an honor to be here sorry i couldn't be there in person but glad we was able to work it out well we're glad you're here for sure absolutely so uh hey we like to help our listeners get to know our interviewees a bit so uh tell us some of your story your background how you came to know christ and how you ended up in ministry in this organization called the christian and missionary alliance yeah, when I'm asked this question, I, I try to brace myself, and I'm, I'm getting better, better at streamlining it. But it's it's a long story. I'll just start that. Um, I grew up. I was born and raised partially in the Bronx, New York. I'm from New York City area. Um, and raised to uh, born to two Jamaican parents. My parents migrated here in the '70s, um, and they met in New York. Uh, my mom is very corporate side. My father is very rebelistic side. Um, you know, tradesman. And he was in the Rastafarian faith and culture. That's why I grew up in. Um, and then, you know, on Sundays, my mom sent us to church. She grew up Methodist in Jamaica. So it's sort of this Caribbean tradition. That you're going to go to church no matter what you what you think you're going to do. <laughs> uh, so I grew up playing soccer and going to church. That was really my life. Um, then my parents, um, they separated and we moved to Rockland County. 
um, which is the same county that Nyack is, where Nyack College was founded. And um, I was introduced to Assemblies of God Church that my neighbor attended. She invited me there to youth group. I really had a good time. It wasn't really the same type of kids that I was used to hanging out with, but I found belonging there. And, and it was a place where also they encouraged me musically. I didn't really have musicians in my family. And when you come from an immigrant family, the idea of saying that you're going to do music is really a hobby. And there's such a fear of, hey, your life is not going to turn out good if you try to pursue, pursue music. So obviously I went against what my mom <laughs> wanted for me and no teenager has ever done that no teenagers i was the first one actually yeah. on the planet earth <laughs> to do that <laughs> um so yeah I, I i was really affirmed at church though that was really the groundation if i would have come up with a word yeah, that yeah. grounded good, me that that helped me you know really realize the core of where my gifts came from so I got to sing in church, small vocal ensemble, vocal solo, large vocal ensemble. I uh, started rapping in church, and all of that was welcome. Um, Assemblies of God had a competition called Fine Arts Festival. That was an annual. It still exists today, um, where children from all over the district and all over their cities and counties compete in, from preaching to worship band to everything. Now it has everything from graphic design to filmmaking and uh, our church had a lot of really gifted kids, mainly because our youth pastor and his wife, they were super talented. He played multiple instruments. He taught a lot of people how to play instruments in the church. They both led worship. She was a brilliant singer, um, you know, professionally recorded at some point in her life. And she taught us everything about harmonies and singing and um, just that foundation, like I said, groundation that really grounded us, gave us that humility, but also worked on our talent and excellence. Um, but it was in that church that I came to Christ, actually at a youth convention. Um, so when you went to compete, also simultaneously, they simultaneously they had these um, youth conventions where, you know, just like any kind of youth retreat, kind of like a mini version of life conference. Um, and then if you made it past that level, you go to nationals, which was sort of like conference, life conference, like five to seven thousand kids. And you compete on, you know, and, and you you have a blast and. It was at one of those things where I just felt the drawing of the Lord and I didn't know what I was feeling and went to the front, face down, gave my life to Jesus. And of course, I was a perfect Christian from that point, point forward. <laughs> okay, then. But I know the opposite really happened. You know, I was the definition of backsliding. I I couldn't get away from the pull of my friends and want to be cool and living a double life. And, and I did that up until my mid-20s. Um, but that's where I really came to know Jesus, and he came to, he sought me out. Mm, he's so good at that, yeah. doing that, right? Yeah. It sounds like you may have already uh, started to answer another question that we love to ask our guests, but it's always fascinating to find out two or three people who have been especially influential in shaping you in life or ministry. Who would those mm. people be? Well, I'll give a, a, a part example and, and also answer part of the question that I didn't. So my youth pastor, he he grew up in Rockland County, um, went to schools there. He grew up in the church that I was at. Um, his brother's a pastor, was a pastor uh, in Queens and, and other areas. And he, um, he went to Nyack and he went to ATS as well. So when I was in my 20s and it was, I felt like the Lord was calling me to ministry. Um, I looked at the example of him and others and it was really the closest Christian school. It was like probably 15 minute drive. Um, and 
so he's my number one influence in my life as a believer. Um, I've gone back and led worship. I actually recently just posted about that because he was sort of introducing me and going through my resume, so to speak. And I just started crying <laughs> because I think of what I put him through and my mother through. And when they came to me, represented me at court and vouched for me when I did bad things. And when they, you know, in the midst of my even waywardness, gave me a platform to use the gift that God gave me. He was the number one influence. Um, he's a man of prayer. He's a man of, he's very gifted. And he put all of his gifts and his abilities in a small church that literally pumped out extremely gifted, strong young believers. I could point to many of them that are exact age as me that are doctors and lawyers and engineers and teachers and all strong believers. And we all were in youth group together and we all competed in Fine Arts Festival. Um, not many of us went the ministry route per se, but we're, there are, a lot of them are soldiers uh, in the kingdom of God, wherever they work. Um, the second biggest influence would honestly be Pastor Paul Elizer. Um, He's a pastor. He was at an independent church that when I came back to the Lord at 24, I was with him every single day. He's the one who taught me fasting, prayer, intercession, reading the scriptures, digging into the word. He gave me, he, he helped me to see a passion for the word of God. He having a Catholic background and the background of coming from witchcraft in Haiti helped me to see the supernatural side of ministry that I didn't know existed, that this thing is real. It, it aligned certainly with my Assemblies of God beliefs and it affirmed that, hey, there's, there's a different activity happening that we're susceptible to that if we're not in Christ. Um, so that, he would be the number two. Um, and honestly, for worship, the number three, I wish I could have more, but man, if I had, if I had, if I had a top six, <laughs> I would say I would, I would add Siobhan Seaman, who was a worship pastor in the Alliance in New Jersey. And I would add um, Wanda Walborn, who really helped me to see, understand deeper life and grace and mercy when I was broken. And I came to Nyack and really helped me to understand what ministry was about. But within that top three that you mentioned, I would say my good friend, Ernesto Alcantara, he was serving in Alliance Church, um, a church in Jersey that became an Alliance Church called Fervent Church. He helped to he helped plant that church and built that entire ministry from the beginning, worship ministry-wise. And uh, he's younger than me, but now he's an executive pastor of worship at um, a church in Mansfield, one of the fastest-growing churches in America. And he's he's a giant in terms of leadership development and leading and helping worship leaders understand worship. So Ernesto Alcantara will be, but he's also a NIAC grad and, and came through the NIAC channels um, as I did. Well, it looks like you got your six in after all, so good yep. job. I did. I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. You know. I understand that. I get it, man. That's lots of gratitude, and you got to yeah. be great, grateful Absolutely. for that. That's one of the reasons we love yeah. asking that question, because really? it's we end mm -hmm. up learning about people. And honestly, most of the answers to those questions are people that there hardly anybody else knows. Now, you named a couple of well-known names, but but they made a difference in your life, and you're making a difference in other people's lives, and so their impact Lord is felt God. for generations. Amen, right? Mm. So... Our uh, our friend Spence Sweeting 
gave me an yeah. inside scoop that you have a clothing business that you are trying <laughs> to leverage for the kingdom of God as well. Wow. So uh, I felt like I feel like I have to ask him about that. So would you know we can uh, help us understand that a little bit? Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to pitch mode. <laughs> Go right ahead. So, this is your well, free chance to do that. The brand is called Messianic Supply Co. And it's a conversation starter streetwear brand depicting art and design that point to the Messiah. So all my all my designs are based off of Messianic Old Testament scriptures. Um, the idea is really that there was a, you know, in the 15th, 16th, 17th century, that Baroque art period, really Christian imagery and biblical imagery um, ran the landscape of the art world and it was well respected and there wasn't a weirdness about it to have King David on a sculpture or to have the Sistine Chapel or to depict the majesty of God inside, um, you know, when you think of Tiffany, that big artist that people know for the blue color, he was really a, a master glass blower and he, he you know, and in Cleveland in that big cemetery by University Circle, um, there's this huge Tiffany display in a, in a mausoleum. And on the left side, it's like Egyptians and Israelites rowing. And on the other side, they're rowing in the opposite direction. And it's a depiction of the Old Testament and the New Testament, the exiting the promised land and coming into the promised land. Todd Sovine actually was the one that brought me there to see that yeah. when I was hey, visiting. Um, yeah, I was visiting. Me and Ernesto, he brought us both. When we, when we first came, like our first year in Ohio, because Ernesto ended up moving to Ohio about six or seven months after I did, it was such a God thing to work at um, our the campus I'm in right now. And then eventually he left to work at Crossroads Church. But that's really the idea. And like, why not, why not be a part of the renaissance of art that's already happening in the art world? Why not make luxury clothing affordable so that believers can have what we call slow fashion, meaning non-sweatshop, small batch, high quality organic cotton goods that have integrity, but that are affordable. Where typically in the kind of shirt that I produce, you'll go to a store and it'll be $150 for a shirt because it's slow fashion. It's made people get fair wage who are making it. And as believers, the Lord has given us, you know, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. So I think we should care for the earth like we care for people like we care for animals, like we care for the resources he's given us. So that's really the concept of it. But it really started as a merch brand to help me sort of fund ministry to keep doing music. That's evangelistic. That helps me go outside of my church walls. And um, so that how the journey started in 2018 and then officially started the brand in 2020. And now we have a space in Ohio City. First Christian band really with a space in a retail secular market that is really getting great attention and buzz. Um, we were just on the news the other day with Kicking It With Kenny, which is like a big guy that goes around Cleveland on on maybe ABC, ABC or one of the news stations. God has been good, really all he's doing. I'm just making the designs and he's literally making it happen. So I'm grateful. Glad yeah. to hear that, man. I'm glad. I'm glad that Spence prompted me to ask that question. Man. That's cool, man. Thank you. Thank you, Spence. Shout out to Spence. It's my guy. He's a good man. So you've performed uh, music with a lot of people in a lot of places, led worship yeah. at uh, council and different spots in the U.S., uh, grew up in the Bronx, led worship in Rockland County, 
<laughs> and now you're a worship pastor in Ohio. So <laughs> uh, what, brought, <laughs> what brought you to uh, the Cleveland, Ohio area? How'd you get yeah. here? When you say it like that, it's almost ridiculous. But <laughs> really, when you say yes to God, you said yes to God. Amen. And he really, right. he, he orders our steps and we lean out on our own understanding and we acknowledge him in all our ways. He'll make our path straight. So with it, with all the decisions I made, I landed in Ohio because I was in Nyack. And as I was in Nyack, I was just playing guitar on worship team at this church, Fervent Church. And I had all these songs I had written and all this ministry inside of me. And Ernesto at the time, who was my pastor, was like, hey, well, what are you doing now? Do that well. You're a student. You're a husband. You're a father. And do that well. I know you're not out there musically. I know God's not giving you a public ministry. So I did. I did that well. I worked really hard when I was at Nyack. Had my job, you know, working at a hotel. Was married, newlywed. We had a honeymoon baby. Life was super hard. We were super broke. Like, But I really worked hard on the ministry in front of me, which was my family and school. And, and after about three years of being back in school, I went back to school when I was 26. So I was a lot older than most of the students and my peers. Um, someone acknowledged and recognized the Lord prompted Siobhan Seaman, who was the director of worship at that time. And, uh, she just came to me after one spiritual formation class and said, hey, are you a worship leader? Friends, there was no way for her to know this. She literally never saw me lead worship. I didn't sing at school. I didn't even make the worship team at Nyack. I tried out for guitar and worship and vocals. Didn't make either. Wow. It was God just closing doors like, nah, it's not your time, wow. bro. Sit down. Wow. And so I did. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, it was a big eye-opener, humbling moment for me. And um. Thank you, God, for forcing obedience at times, you know, closing doors because we're so wayward. We're prone to wander. Um, but anyway, she asked me, hey, you know, I, I've 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 made my worship teams already, but the Lord highlighted you and I should have came to you earlier. But I was I didn't want, I, you know, whatever reason she 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 avoided speaking to me. So then, you know, she was like, hey, if you got a guitar, come to the spiritual formation office and do a small audition for me and, and I'll audition for me and I'll record it. So I recorded it. I made worship team. I became music director on campus of about seven worship teams. That was my senior year. Um, at that time, the summer leading up to my senior year, um, she had approached me literally the end of my junior year. And that summer leading up to the senior year, I'd already gotten the job on campus as worship leader as music director and then leading a worship team, um, got up in crazy doors. I started leading worship everywhere, San Francisco, Washington, D.C., all over, East Coast. Um, purely the work of God, um, people seeing me on campus or whatever. And uh, through that channel, Grace Church in Middleburg Heights in Ohio heard about me because Calvin Walker brought up my name in a conversation when they were in counseling in Long Beach. Um, that was probably 2015 or so. And they were looking for a worship leader um, because a, the worship leader had transitioned. And Calvin brought up my name. I asked Calvin, like, you know, <laughs> how did that all happen? You know, a couple years later, he was like, actually, it was my wife that brought you up. I didn't even think of you at the moment, but she brought you up. And <laughs> he, he mentioned me to Sam and we end up timing that at that moment when he was talking 
to Sam about me, I was praying with my youth youth pastor from that church that about what position, what job to take, because I had opportunity in Long in Staten Island, I had opportunities elsewhere, church planning opportunities, but my family needed stability and we needed something healthy and we needed to be able to really grow and learn. And the Lord opened a door at, at Grace, and I never applied. He just opened that door, and um, I walked through it. And I've been here January 1st, just a few days. It'd be eight years on staff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Glory to Jesus. Yeah, team here is excellent. Robbins, our leadership, Dr. Walters, just recently finished her doctorate at ATS. Um, but... Yeah, praise God. Mm, that's cool. So what are you most passionate about in worship leading? The nations. The nations mm, worshiping. Love it. Um I've I've because of the way God has allowed me to live and move in ministry, it's led me in cross cultural, multicultural settings, being able to do music overseas, Haiti, Jamaica, England. Um, I'll be in Africa next year leading worship. It's I just Canada. I've done music. It, it's been I, my desire is to see Davidic worship that highlights and reflects what we hear in Revelation that every tribe, tongue, and nation um, is before Him. That's already occurring in heaven. Yeah. And so how do we match what's happening there? Mm. And I think just having a heart for that, God has brought me into spaces where he's already doing that work and helped me to either cultivate that work more in a space or enter in a space that's already doing that and be encouraged. Um, and I've seen our denomination transform and grow and really have more of a heart to unify the nation since we already a very diverse denomination and just seeing that in worship is really that's that's my heart, man. Number one thing I, I want to see. I, you know, I didn't expect that answer. Well, and I didn't I'm really either, glad that was your answer. answer. <laughs> I, know. I was like, that's sweet. What'd you man. expect? I don't. I don't know if I had an expectation. It just yeah. wasn't that. Elect no. I love electric guitar, man. Like that's. <laughs> no, no, that's not. I did not <laughs> expect that either. I'm but joking. for a different reason. No, no. I, I'm joking. Uh, yeah, no, I got you. I got you. Uh, so if you, Jelani, if you could change one thing instantly about the way people worship in church. What would it be, and what makes you want to change it? You guys are so annoying. I saw that question. I was like, oh, my gosh, man. We're pretty good at that. Um, <laughs> You're good at worship leading. We're good at being annoying. It's a gift. I like it. I like it. I like it. Um, familiarity. Mm. We're too familiar with God, and the God that we're familiar with are the rituals we've created around Western American Christianity. Ooh, wow. wow. That's not even God. We're familiar with the way our seats are lined up, the people we're seeing, where our seat is, the sound of the music we like. And each generation has its God of familiarity that when that God begins to fail them, they rebel against the God who presently is active. So, what God is doing now, behold, I do a new thing. He is doing something mm -hmm. new every day. His mercies are new every morning. Somehow our preferences begin to be Lord, and then everything in front of us, something's wrong with it. 
And so we check out, we tap out. And I see that daily. I see that weekly in worship settings. I see that. Now, the presence of God is so powerful that if you worship and focus on Jesus long enough in a moment, you tend to forget your preferences. But a lot of us don't have the patience to stay and tarry. And so familiarity would be the number one thing that frustrates me to no end. Um, but as I learned from Pastor Mike Rosado, currently in Lions Pastor, Fervent Church, I never forget when this guy said this. He said, don't complain, train. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's a good word. It's golden. Oh, my gosh. Now, <laughs> he, he got a billion of those in his back pocket. But And two other people affirmed that when I was on my way to Ohio. Dave Edwards, who is a was a been a partner with Alliance Churches and gifted musician and um is at a church in Greenwich where I used to lead worship when I was in New York. Um he said, We are on a bus, we make it clear what our destination is, we make frequent stops, and we typically don't ask people to get off. So, and then another woman who was leading at that church said, people in the Midwest are very loyal. If you explain to them where you're going, they'll follow you. Hmm. And so what I learned about being in the groupthink metropolis, New York City, tri-state area, is that in some of the worship circles, depending on the denomination, I didn't have to work as hard when I was leading worship. There was this engagement already built in. However, when I came to Ohio, especially with my style of worship, there was this, man, I see Robin and I see Sam. They love the church. They love the people there. That's their number one concern, loving them. And as I learned how to be a pastor, worship, the spirit began to open up people's hearts more because mm. they trusted me yeah. and they trusted they trusted my leadership. Um, now, that's not to say that we shouldn't just trust the spirit of God in a moment. But I learned as my as a myself to humble myself to say, I, I need to equip the people of how to worship versus worrying about why they're not worshiping the way I want them to. Yeah, that's a good word. That's good. You know, uh, that's a great answer. When you start messing with people's familiarity, it won't be Terry and I that are the annoying ones. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm sure you do. But, brother, go for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that. That's well, two I'm, still that yeah, I'm still making it. Pre- I still got all my faculties here eight years in. Yeah, amen to there that. There you go. That's awesome. That is awesome. So um, we're pretty excited about something we know you're excited about. And uh, we actually chatted with Tim Meyer as well. He's excited about it, the Alliance Worship group and the albums that are coming out of that. And you were part of the first recording uh, with a group of Alliance worship leaders. Can you tell us about how that came to be and, and and maybe some of the team that you worked with and kind of behind the scenes, kind of how that came together? Yeah. um, So the initial push of how it got to um, Dr. Stumbo's desk, I don't know what Tim did. I don't know, you know, what risk he took, I know he did. But Tim and I had been having conversations and many others in the denomination who led worship and wrote songs prior to Alliance Worship being formed. Hey, when are we going to activate the creatives? 
Like, when are we going to activate their resources and what they're producing? It's like when the prophet saw the woman and she said, I don't have anything but this jar and some oil. You know, he asked her first, what do you have in your house? And a lot of times when we're lacking resources, it's because we're not activating the resources we have. And I think Alliance Worship, to me, is a long-delayed, much-needed activation of what God had already given us, Oof. which was believers and worshipers who are writing and loving to write the songs that God is speaking over the denomination today, not other churches, what they're saying over their church in California or North Carolina or Florida. But what is God saying to our church? And what has he said that we need to reiterate in a different way, which is really what Alliance Worship is, trying to really resurrect that spirit that A.B. Simpson had to write the hymns and the songs of now. So Tim really was the spearhead of getting that to Stumbo's desk. And um, or I don't know how it happened, but, yeah, he, he they, they took some risk and were able to get some people to underwrite some funds for us. And they began to reach out by suggestion from us to other worship leaders and songwriters around the nation and different Alliance churches. So, um, uh, Danny, um, myself, uh, Siobhan Seaman, Jake Furman, who's at Aliquippa Alliance church. Um, he's super awesome. Uh, Aaron Schust and, um, a couple people joined in, but, you know, uh, just multiple worship leaders, Josh, um, Sadlon, who used, was formerly at an Alliance church and now works at the national office. I'm sure you guys see him around. Um, he facilitated the writing sessions and there's others that I, I'm, I'm, I'm not able to name right now. And then we obviously had a recent session with Josh Lindsay and um, Spencer Sweeting obviously was there and several of us returned, who's like the core core of us. And just beginning to write songs, we, we sort of do devos, we connect in a retreat place for 24, 48 hours, and we write the songs that God is speaking, not only of the denomination and what God is speaking through um, Stumble, um, but really what what has God been saying that we've missed and through previous songs and, and theology of the Alliance and how do we capture that theology in song. And it's so awesome because of some of the media attention from Council and Spokane, which sadly I was not able to attend, Christianity Today picked up and, and, you know, wrote about Alliance worship, which was such a blessing and such a humbling um, experience. Yeah, it was a great article. Mm. So you've kind of touched on this already, but maybe you'd like to expand on it, uh, Jelani. What, what makes our Alliance family need a collection of songs that is specifically Alliance? And what is this Alliance worship team aiming for when they write the, the songs? Um. I don't know that we've phrased it this way, but I think we all need an Ebenezer. We need what are the stones and the pillars that allow us to remember what God did and allow how we got here. And I think Savior, Sanctifier, Coming King, the deeper life, these are things that you can't lose if you really dig into those. As a believer in the, today's age, if you're focused on that, you can't lose. And I think putting that in song and making that accessible to the modern ear um, is going to help the movement move forward because with every movement, there's a sound attached to it. With every battle, the musicians go forward, the Levites or the, 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 the you know, even in modern warfare, like it, 
Revolutionary War, that, which is not modern, but there's this band, there's this sound, there's this accompanying, you know, when the walls of Jericho fell, it was a sound that initiated that fall. So I think we're just adding a sound to the soundtrack um, or a soundtrack to the movement of what God has already been doing in the Alliance for decades. Love it. For centuries, really. Yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. I appreciate that. I feel like, um, man, you've already given us so much to consider and some straight-to-the-heart messages. I can't Mm. wait to see some worship leaders process this uh, and hear your answers. Um, But I would really like you to give final parting words of encouragement about how we worship our Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, and Coming King. Right now it's hard to maintain holiness and rightness more than ever. I've experienced that tragedy hits different now, post-COVID. We've been worn down. Um, But this is an opportunity for the anointing of God to really show more. And this is an opportunity for the Spirit of God through the anointed ones who is called to work and serve to really see transformation almost just through our steadfastness. If we stay steadfast in his word, seeking him, we will be not only activated on mission, but we'll be able to see the manifestation of his glory in our neighborhoods, in our churches, in our areas, in our worship ministry, more readily because we're able to function out of our weakness, you know, clothed in Christ's power because we are admitting our weakness. And I think that's super important today because everybody's putting on a facade of what you think they are. That's like the name of the game now, you know, and I'm trash. <laughs> I'm by, I'm, I'm saved by grace through faith so that I can't boast. Amen. I know that. Amen. Preach. I know All that now us. more than ever. All of us. Um, You know, family issues, losing my mom in 2020. Okay, God, you got it. You got it. Like, I can't do this. Like, this is crazy. So, Putting down our armor, picking up the slingshot to say, man, this is the only thing I got right now, Lord. You're going to have to make it work. And your your anointing is going to really do all the talking that I needed to do. Uh, so that's number one. And then number two is there's a generation of worshipers who love to tarry and love to be in the presence of God and be on a platform and be in small places worshiping and adoring God and being in his presence. But we're still called to work. And there's an idea uh, that I've really been focusing on is that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It's never been an issue of the people we're called to reach. They're actually more ready than we think they are. It's the fact that we're not ready and we like to stay on the Mount of Transfiguration, just like Peter, James, and Paul. Is it Peter, James, and Paul? John. 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 Peter, Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John. I'm ordained, guys. Don't worry. Peter, Paul, and Mary, you know, that's another group. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think, but I don't Ah, think Crosby still is a national in the Bible, though. (laughs) That would be some good good jokes right there. What do you say? Peter, James, and Peter, Mary, and what? Uh, (laughs) Anyway, Peter, James, and and John. John. On a Mount of Transfiguration. Peter said, hey, can we build... Sukkah. Can we build a tent here? 
Can we stay here in your presence? Like, look what's happening. Wow. He went up there for a supernatural encouragement to walk into suffering. We can't stay on the mountaintop too long. We got to descend the mountain prepared for the suffering ahead for the advancement of the kingdom. That would be my word, especially to the new generation of leaders. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. That is powerful stuff. Yeah, I appreciate really is. that, man. Jelani, wow. thank Jesus you. Really God. excellent uh, insights on worship. And uh, we have deep love and respect for you. Glad you're part of our Alliance family and love sitting under your worship leadership from time to time. So thank you thank very you, much. Thank you, brother. Mm -hmm. Please keep me in prayer. Keep my family in prayer. I got three little ones. Keep us in prayer. Hmm. Um, the devil, he goes around like a roaring lion, but if you resist him, he'll flee, and we believe that in these days. Amen. Yeah. Amen. 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 God bless you, my friend. Thank you. Well, I'm reminded by this theme today that every season I try to sing. So, uh, no. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy grace I've Come. You know, I was fearful of this. I saw you right on your notes when he was talking. Uh, here I raised my Ebenezer, and I thought, please, don't let that be a reminder to sing. <laughs> and sure enough, I should have prayed more diligently. <laughs> it doesn't take much to, to prompt me out. Uh, no, it does not. I, I am deeply experienced with that pain. I mean, with that. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, Jelani gave us... Rich thoughts on worship. Yeah, I wish you would have sang for us. I wish so, too. He sings a little bit better than I do. <laughs> okay, a lot better Okay, than thank I you. That, that, we, we would have had to edit that if you didn't fix that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, obviously, he doesn't just lead worship. He thinks a lot about worship. Oh, man. And, and uh, yes. really understands the heart he of it. a worship mindset, for sure. Loved, uh, loved every minute of what he Oof. shared with us. Yeah. So, uh, Alan, next time on uh, Equipping You Podcast, we're going to be interviewing uh, Tim Meyer, Vice President for uh, Development here in the National Office. Going to talk about Project Reimagine a bit. Looking forward to that. Thanks for joining us on this episode and every episode. If you enjoy and appreciate the podcast, let your friends know. And uh, whether they're alliance leaders or any leaders, Amen. we'd love to have them along with us on this uh, Equipping You Podcast ride. So we'll see you next time. Meanwhile, keep the faith. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and sharing it with a friend. For more information about this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.